Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Recording? Uh, are you... Got it? Pop, 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 pop. Okay. Being recorded. You're looking for the pump up music. I need some pump up music. We're let me give you a little bit of taste. We're back, baby. I, we're back. Of what I, of what I sip on here. Oh, oh, we're getting a little with, with a mind of stabby. I love it. This is my mind palace. This is where I go when I need to get ready for a podcast. <laughs> Let's get us weird key. classical music. Yeah. Uh. Oh, I like it. Oh yeah. This is old school right here. Oh. This is it. This is the shit. Boom. This doesn't get you fired up. Oh, I'm fired up. I'm getting out of my chair. Come on. I'm getting out of my chair right now. Oh, he's dancing. Oh, back he's today. Dancing, folks. Oh, he's dancing. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good about this. Oh, I love being back. Oh. Oh, it feels so good. It can't be wrong. Oh. Can't be wrong. Ooh. Can't be wrong. Oh, who's back in town? Oh, the boys. The boys. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Oh, we're back, baby. Oh, I love being back. Oh. Gotta get to this rip. Gotta get to this I feel like lift right here. I feel like awesome powers getting out of the the cold. Oh, this leg. Oh, oh, it feels good. Oh, I missed everyone. I miss talking. I just miss being around people. Oh, this was nice. Oh, it feels good to be back. Nice. Little dance party. Oh. Dance party to start the season here. I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. Thank you all for tuning in. This is season two of the Cult of Cults. We are back. We had a lot of people saying, are they coming back? I don't think they're coming back. And guess what? We did it. We're here. We're right back at you. He's got Brian... Good old Brian Stabby from Hogs Haven and other places on the internet, and we got um, we got the the Gumby Meister himself. We got Gumby. He is back too. Oh, good to be back. I feel good. And of course, they're going to find more Brian on OnlyFans up until October. Then he's out, so it's all good. <sighs> yeah, you better s- subscribe for for feet. <laughs> Gotta listen. This podcast thing doesn't really pay pay the bills. I'll be honest. We're hard up. Uh, Gumby also posts pictures of his feet on the internet, and you can pay to have pictures of them, or you could pay me to not send you pictures of Gumby's feet. So this is ransom. Yeah, I mean, uh, you better have that up because it's not a good thing. You do not want pictures of my extortion. feet. Absolutely, it's bad for everybody involved. <sighs> I don't know. Well, I mean, yes, I know that having pictures of feet is bad. Um, <laughs> of course, Gumby. Uh, how has your summer been? You're, Hags, by the way. Have you had a great summer? I, I, I've had? had a great summer. So Hags it up for me so far. We did uh, a, a little vacationing, you know, in and out. Yeah. Uh, we went up to the yeah. Finger Lakes. It was awesome. Nice. Spent a lot of time on a boat, drinking some beer, having a good time. So can't complain. Brian, how's your summer been? It's been pretty good. Hot vaxxed summer. Yeah. Actually, it's a crispy boy summer, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, 
I, too, made a trip up to the Finger Lakes at exactly the same time that you were there. We didn't see each other. I went to go visit my grandmother. Shout out to Grandma and Dick. Uh, we had a lovely time staying up there and doing Rochester, New York. And then um, went to Vacation Land up to, to Maine. Oh. Uh, a little trip up to the old New England. Go see Tommy Brady, kid. Um, we actually had a very good Uber driver who pointed out where which neighborhood Tom Brady lived in. No uh, longer. It is of critical importance to know <laughs> where Tom Brady is living and being at all times if you are from uh, the great state of Massachusetts. And then we made our way up to, to Maine, which is beautiful. Highly recommend. It's a very beautiful place. Well, that sounds. Uh, I've Castine. never been. That's a that's one I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy very much. Well, I I enjoyed Good. Rochester because it had all the food. Like I got a thing called yep. a garbage plate, which was literally yes. all the food, all the food. Very of, famous. Oh my god! I that's like the the local cuisine. That's the thing that Rochester, New York, is most known for is the garbage. I, plate. I don't know how people don't weigh a thousand pounds there. I had the garbage plate. I had some kind of. Bill or some kind of like uh, this guy's hamburger. It was a really good. It was a cheeseburger, but the hamburger was it was they eat there. And then after that, yeah. I had Genesee, which is their beer up there, and of course yeah. sat on a boat. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm a big fan of the Finger Lakes, but at the same time, I couldn't live there. I'd be 700 pounds. Yeah, it's um, it's a nice place up there. They 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 eat well. We we had some lovely meals. I'm. Actually, set by the time this podcast publishes, there's a good chance that I will be on the other side of the pond. That's true. Going to England, all uh, set to go for a a friend's wedding and, um, you know, to go admire the the lovely uh, Cornwall coast. Ooh, fancy. Spend a little bit of time just... uh, I'm I I'm a summer guy. I like wringing the last every last moment out of summer, out of sunshine, out of long days. So I'm very excited to um, to close this thing off with a bang. Well, I just got back from Chicago, and uh, ah. my, a friend of mine got his doctorate in education, and we were celebrating up there. And his wife rented an airstream that on the inside was a cigar bourbon lounge. Well. That sounds like it has your name all written. All over it. I spent so much time there. So I was in the, it's called Lux uh, Stream, because it's Airstream, Lux. Awesome time. Oh, my God. Like, it was phenomenal. And they pull up right to the driveway. They made, like, a little VIP area in front of it, and we just hung out. It was awesome. The the plane ride uh, home the next day was a little gentle, but, you know, worth it. Definitely worth it. Got to take that Dramamine. Oh, yeah. So, what has been your um, what has been your relationship to professional football this summer? I took some time away because okay. the one of the things the Washington football community is really good at is talking about nothing as it's going on. And you know, uh, after the draft, it's just kind of sitting around talking, and no one knows what's really going to happen. And we have a hundred people, yeah. and just it's a lot of you know talking but there's no, nothing really happening so i took a i took a break i let my mind relax because i get i get really into it and i you know learn about the draft and i learn about the training camp i said i'm gonna take a break so i took about two weeks off and then got back into it about a week ago you know and then a week with, ago. with the, with right, the most so recent preseason yeah. game and i kind of i dove back in you dove back in um i respect the move i here's the thing it is baffling to me that if you're if if on the on the sports talk radio station they're not talking about the Washington football team like five days a week, fifty two weeks a year, like it's as though like time and space will cease to function. Yeah. The idea that, you know, we're getting two, three, four hours a day of like every weekday and most weekends, some weekends about Washington football. I mean I it's for somebody. Somebody is is out there uh, looking for that type of of content. Um, but you know, we're we're fans. I mean, mostly we are doing a podcast about the Washington football team. Therefore, we have some amount of engagement and skin of the game here. Um, but I I kind of respect the taking a little bit of time away, 
sort of being more of a passive participant in the fan experience as opposed to uh, an active seeker outer of said uh, midsummer detritus. I mean, we had, I, I want to kind of focus on the on field, but off the field, so many things have been going on and it's almost mind boggling. Uh, what's going on with the Washington football team off the field. But I, I, that's where I want to focus on the field. I want I wanted to see the players. I want to see the team. I want to see what Riverboat Ron is doing. I want to, that's what I want to be a part of. I was got a little burnt out on all the bullshit that was going on off the field. Uh, from yeah. again, like on Twitter, I've been well, going on. Welcome to uh, Washington football team uh, fan. Absolutely. I mean, we, we are the off, off, off season champions another year in a row. But I got that's what I got burned out from. Not the players, not learning about them, not not loving it. You know, it was just learning all the other crap that was going on over and over and over again. Um, I just said I need two weeks off, and I did that. And now I'm back, and I back with the Twitter and, and getting people involved. And I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about the season, and I love seeing what's going on. So I guess we should just dive right in then. Um, preseason, we've had two preseason games. Uh, shortened preseason, finally. Yeah. The, the people have been asking for it. I mean, we do love our preseason football. That's the majority, I would say, of the last decade and a half of in-person Washington football team yeah. watching has been preseason, and we love it. Uh, we've talked about it in the past, about our experiences going out to Landover with some foreign nationals and teaching them <laughs> what the rules are and who the players are and, and how to uh, drink indoctrinating them into the culture. Yeah. Well, they knew how to do yeah. that, but, um, <laughs> but so now shortened preseason, longer regular season, still definitely something I am going, to, it's going to take me some time to adjust to, as I've discussed back in season one, you yeah. know, the old stuff back in the day, the, the back catalog. Uh, so, They've they've made it two out of the three games. I mean, the preseason to me, um, as a whole, the it used to be sort of more um, in my mind. And when I say used to, I mean within the last we'll talk five years ago. Okay, there was more opportunities for for benchmarking because there were cut down days. Yeah, and they don't do, they don't do the cut down days anymore. I mean, you can keep. 90 guys all the way through the end of camp. No, that's not true. The, the, they, they cut it down. There's an, there's an 80 cut coming up right now. Uh, well, they are, I mean, it used to be they go 70 yeah, you're after right. that first It week, used to be more right dramatic, to, significantly more dramatic. You're right. There And there were more sort of like, okay, well, this is the day that this is going to happen, such and such is going to happen. It's sort of more incremental yeah. stuff. And meanwhile, there are four games, so there's like practices, then a game, then a cut-down yeah. day, then a game, then a week of practice, then a cut-down day. So now it sort of feels a little bit more... To me, amorphous, which, uh, you know, doesn't make it so, like, notable in incremental ways, but it's sort of more of just like a sort of like getting yourself sliding into that bath. Yeah. Right? So it's like a little bit, it just takes a little bit of moments to, to sort of slide into the bath like that. And so, you know... <sighs> What what have been your what have been the things that have stood out for you, either one of two things. One, what have been the things that stood out for you that have crossed its way into your consciousness before you actively were seeking them out? So you said like you really sort of dove in yeah. for the last week, but you had to have seen things before that. So either those things or the things that you've seen since you've dove in. Like what what's been the things that bubble up to the top of your mind that you're like, these are the storylines, these are the things that I'm looking at, that I'm ingesting, that I'm considering. The, the first thing that is kind of sitting in my, my head, this is going after the last preseason game that we had. Yeah. Um, we did a lot in the offseason and over the last couple, you know, little time trying to build up that, that offensive line. And yes. it did not look good against the Bengals, uh, that first team. It did not look good. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was, was running around a little too much. He had got hit too much. Now, he had some bad throws. We had some great throws. But the line just did not look solid. They, were, they weren't running as a, a, a cohesive unit. This is what you need to make that happen. Again, this is where having a preseason this year is wonderful because that gives them that opportunity to learn each other a little bit better, especially during the game time. But their inability to be cohesive during that time is worrying me because if you don't have that line set up and ready to go, 
you can't have a quarterback that throws, and you can't have anybody running the ball real well. So that was a, a big concern after taking that break because you've heard, I'd heard so much greatness about this line, how much building they'd done with it, uh, who they've added, you know, getting Flowers back. All of those things were great, but then watching it, it it didn't feel good. It like that eye that that eye visual did not feel good. Well, yeah. So when you look at it. Um... You know, they did go get Eric Flowers, and he's not slated in that starting unit. Right now, from from left to right, it's uh, Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle, which that to me is a bit of a red flag. I know people were pretty excited about that one when it happened, but um, I don't know if I feel fantastic about it. And you got Wes Schweitzer at left guard, Ruye's back at center, Brandon Sheriff in what is almost undoubtedly his last season yeah. in Washington at right guard, and then the rookie, Sam Cosme, who has gotten some nice um, feedback. Gil Brandt uh, had some really impressive things to say about him. He had a very good, and I don't know how much credence you put into this stuff, like the pro football focus rankings, like by position. He was the top PFF grade, which was first among tackles, didn't allow a sack, and has 25 pass-blocking snaps. Again, a very limited sample size. So, you know, what I've seen is that he's he's been able to earn that spot right over Sadiq Charles, who's, I guess, supposed to be the right side yeah. backup for both uh, Scherf and Cosme. I mean, Lucas Cornelius, or Cornelius Lucas, um is, is sitting at that backup tackle spot, but probably on the left side. But it is, you're right, disappointing. When you think back a year ago, we came into the preseason and the start of the season as, like, what is the, the weakness on this team? And at that point, it was the offensive line. Uh, undoubtedly offensive Still. line. Undoubtedly at the time. And, and then last year, towards the tail end of the year, what were we talking about? We were saying these guys have overperformed. Absolutely. Like they're actually exceeding expectations in a way that has kept them in football games and by virtue of that kept them in playoff contention. Because we had very – they – I mean, they were not a terribly skilled group, but they did play very well as a cohesive unit. Exactly. That cohesive unit is, is the entire catch of being an offensive line. So even if you have people on Pro Talk saying, oh, this guy is really good, if the guy next yeah. to him is not holding his own, a hole opens up. And, you know, you want everyone to work together. If they don't, those holes open up, the quarterback gets killed. The running backs get ruined. And you – your entire offense disappears, which we saw at the beginning of last year. You, the offense disappears, but if they got better, but I'm just saying, it, hearing all of the good words that they've been putting into that offensive line and then watching them work in a, in a game, preseason game, mind you, but watching them work into a game, it just, it did not, I did not feel good. It wasn't any of that happy feeling you get when you're like, oh, wow, I see that potential. I see where the issues are. I didn't. It was just not good it was was it was not cohesive they didn't know they were talking to each other and it was just kind of really kind of laggy galling around so what's interesting to me is you go back and look at the who the unit was by the end of the season last year and man for man i think this if on paper i think this unit for the 2021 season is a is a more skilled unit than last year's when you have starting left to right, Donald Penn as your left tackle, <laughs> which are on Christian backing him up. I mean, they had Eric Flowers at guard, Rui at center, Wes Martin at right guard, and Morgan Moses as your right tackle, right? So, I mean, Martin obviously gets gets slotted in due to injury, but, you know, you look, do an A-B comparison. I say, I like this guy, this group that we have right now slightly more. So, in my mind... You know, it's a question of how do you evaluate them because what we saw over the course of last year for that team, that unit, they were not very good, no. but they got better because they played together more. So, like, can we then say, all right, well, this unit is skilled and talented, man for man, but they're not playing together as a unit. Perhaps that will come with time. It, you know, it better because the end of our season, uh, we have five straight games against the NFC East. They better come together because it's going to be utter hell going into before that. So going into the, the season, we are we're fighting, we're fighting from the beginning, and then we have this horrible stretch at the end that we just, I don't know what the NFL was 
fucking thinking. I'm sorry. It was horrible. But I, I don't want to get to that right now. I, I want to continue talking about the team right now and positive things or negative things. But if the focus of the team, not the schedule. So how are we feeling two weeks into the preseason about Ryan Fitzpatrick? At the, about, I guess we'll, we'll open that up to about the quarterback. The, yes. The state of the quarterback. As play, a whole. Namely, vis-a-vis Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick and Heineke right now are the only two people that look like they're vying for the starting spot. I want to start with that. Allen looked yeah. okay, but not great, and no one else matters. I'm just, just So I'm going to focus on Heineke, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, the last preseason game, looked a little jumpy. He got hit a couple times. It was a couple throws he had where they should have been money. They should have been money. There was one where they're going down inside the 20. He had a, a, an amazing throw. The wide receiver dropped it. The next one to do a running play. Third one, Fitzpatrick uh, just missed over the top. It was an awesome to Thomas. It was, should have been a touchdown, missed over the top. And you saw that where he was inconsistent. He's playing against you know ones and twos, but he was inconsistent. And I don't know if it's just the day or just kind of whatever it was, but Fitzpatrick looked inconsistent. You can Heineke jumps in and you see almost like a, a giddy up, more energy brought into the, the, the team. He was running around. He's scrambling more because, of course, the, the pockets were collapsing. He's trying to make extra throws. He's, he's doing what we saw in the playoff game, and that, as a fan, hypes you up. Now, whether or not it's going to be Heineke or Fitzpatrick, but you're looking at Heineke developing as a player. You're watching it happen, and I know he's going against twos. I know he's going against twos, and when you go against twos, you look like a, wheel, uh, a world beater, but he looked like he had progressed since last season. And he looked pretty damn good at that playoff game. I, okay, I don't want anyone to put words in your mouth, so I think you just need to come out and say it. Who, if you had your druthers, who starts week one? Oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, all right. I assumed that that was the choice you were going to make. Yeah. But, you know, uh, here the thing that's going to be interesting this year is uh, I don't, uh, we're not at the point where we're ready to do predictions. We'll probably do that in our next episode if we have time. Um, but at this point right now, I think we have to sort of pause and sort of um, evaluate what a successful season from this point yeah. looks like. And there seems to me to be a lot of people who are talking themselves into um, like a playoff run. Like I think that there's a, there's a lot of people who expect that they will make the playoffs. Some of it by virtue of the division not being terribly, not having improved markedly. Um, I, I'll be honest, I have not truly figured out where I'm at yet. I mean, I haven't, I haven't sit, sat down and made my predictions, but my initial thoughts, and this is raw, is they could they could and should at least compete based on the competition. And by virtue of the fact that they won it last year, they won the division regardless of the circumstances. So by virtue of that, like they, you can't completely write them off. But if this is a, a team that there is expectations for, that there is hope for, then having an unstable quarterback situation is going to be a cause for stress and is going to be there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on it if if people start to feel like everything else is clicking the way it ought to and there's a chance that some of it will i think the defense has a has it's going to be fantastic this year but if you're like man this team is great except for they just don't have a guy who i feel confident playing quarterback right now it's going to become a real uh, albatross that people are going to be feeling, and like it's going to be a cause for resentment. Last year, we had Alex Smith throwing a ball he couldn't throw. He couldn't get off his yeah. back foot. It looked horrible. Uh, Kyle Allen got in there. He did okay, but it was bad. We had has. It was a horrible situation last year. Looking at this year, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is exactly who he is. He's always going to be. He's a very smart, serviceable quarterback who can do exactly what you need him to do. But his ceiling is set. We know how, how where his ceiling's always going to be. And so going into the first game and the first couple of games, you want that veteran guy. You want that guy to show a lot of these rookies or second or third year people. Just you want that ball in there. And he gets along with uh, Humphrey so well and, and yeah. it, he's going to produce. 
where the energy is going to be needed. And I think, you know, Heineke has an opportunity to make it a little, give a little more competition. I think that'll be good for Fitzpatrick. But Heineke's showing that he is not a one-game wonder. He's showing that he wants to be a part of this. He got paid a little bit. He's not going to walk away. And he's showing flashes of being able to do this, play this game at that position at the highest level possible. And that makes me excited because we only have Ryan Fitzpatrick for one year. And if we can get Heineke to learn and get better, we may have our quarterback sitting for next year, sitting right here. And that's important and already under contract. Well, the only way that we're going to see Taylor Heineke this season is something happens that's not good to like if Ryan Fitzpatrick sucks. And I, I say that recognizing the irony that he was benched after not really sucking. Like they, yeah. they kind of found a half half-assed reason to bench him for Tua and it caught him and a lot of people off guard. And I will say the one thing that I remember most from all that is he went out of his way to to like continue to mentor and be yeah. a good presence with Tua, even in spite of the fact that he had his job taken from him. Through arguably no fault of his for, own. For, for, for yeah, and for not a good reason. Yeah. So, at a minimum, you like to have a guy like that around, but. I uh, I think if we see Taylor Heineke take the field for more than a game or two this year, I think things will have gone pretty sideways. Probably. You're probably right. You know what I'm saying? So if Heineke is any good, uh, he will learn from Fitzpatrick. He'll be smart about it. And we have an opportunity of him being either a starter next year or a really, really serviceable second stringer for a very long sure. time. And, and again, you know, if we do some crazy stuff and get a quarterback for next year, okay, great. I have no problem looking at Heineke going, man, you, you showed up when you needed to, and I hope you keep doing that. Yeah, take advantage of those opportunities. And again, I this is Heineke going off of a second string. So he looks really good against the second string. I don't know how he'd look against the best some of the best defenses in the nation, but he looks good. So when we look uh, around the the offense in general, um, the other one of the other questions that we had going into last season that I think – sorted itself out mostly was at tailback yeah. in the backfield. Yeah. Uh there were there was no clear cut solution for the first, I want to say, two thirds of the year until it became pretty clear that they had a guy they felt confident in in Antonio Gibson. Now Gibson I think is not being overlooked. I think he's being I don't want to go so far as to say hyped but the sense that i am getting from what i'm reading and what i'm listening and what i'm talking to and what i'm hearing from people is that like he's our guy yeah and there are expectations that he will be good if not great at tailback for washington this year absolutely agreed and he has the potential and again these preseason games i i put the onus on the offensive line on not really making a lot of holes for Gibson to get a lot of carries, but they haven't really been playing him very much. So that's great. Uh, and then you have uh, Miss McKissick, uh, where he's been coming in for the third, and that's awesome. He's a third down running back. Perfect. He can catch that ball. Awesome. But that's not where the story's been during this offseason. You know, we have number one. We have our third down. But, man, Patterson showed up out of nowhere. Undrafted, free agent, friends with Chase Young, we pick him up for virtually nothing, and this guy has just been just head down going the entire time. Loving it. Loving what he's doing. Between the two of them, J.D. McKissick comes back, who I just like, oh, we're doing that again. Yeah. And Peyton Barber, remember Peyton Barber was there, comes back as well. Um so, you know, he, he's looking up at a couple of guys in, in Jared Patterson. I feel I'm not overwhelmed by this group. No. Um, I am on, on record as a noted Antonio Gibson skeptic, though at times last year he proved me very much a hater. Um, I just think they need the whole offense runs down the middle for me and if the O-line is looking sloppy and if like you're not trusting your quarterback play 
and you have some questions about running back. I mean, there's some people who would say that I'm crazy and that Antonio Gibson is the most or the second most capable player on the offense behind Terry McLaurin. And to them, I would say I would indulge you that. It, that may be true. I mean, Brandon Sheriff is still on this team. But, yeah, I mean, with when you, when you look at a guy like Jared Patterson, we talk about the preseason and how much we love preseason. He's he's a he's a classic Mason Brennan type guy. Oh, right absolutely, there. yeah. Where where is he not? He's a world beater. Like he's we were sitting there in the preseason. Now the, the difference is is that Patterson has been getting some first team reps, and he got some okay. first and second. Now now the Mason Brennan guys usually they're the third or fourth strings. They get in there, and, you know, it's just you're playing against other the third and fourth stringers. Patterson's going against mostly second team, and has been putting his head down and getting some yardage out of it. So he is the epitome of the best Mason Brennan because, man, he's undrafted. He's getting playing time. His head's going – people keep talking about him. But where's the reality? We don't you know, see him in practice all the time. If I, think he, I honestly think he's going to be the, the, the best of the best with this. He's going to make the team, and Barber's going to be let, let off. Okay, sure. That's um, – I, I can't believe that – I mean, they're rolling with him. Although, you know, you have a guy and he's there and he's under contract. Of course you're going to. Um, but you know what? It doesn't even matter whether or not he makes it because that's not really what Mason Brennan is about. No, it's uh, not. For us, we are a, we are a pro-Mason Brennan podcast, obviously. It was a pro-Mason Brennan website. Um, I will tell you I had a chance encounter on the Internet. Um, I was looking through some CFL highlights and who did I see but Brandon Banks, uh, noted Mason Brennan winner of of the past. Um, so it's always nice to have, have an opportunity to see guys like that. I will give you uh, another candidate this year, and one who I think is a, a guy who like kind of has to show out but has been a little bit, and that's AGG, Antonio Gandy-Golden, yeah. who... Did not, didn't didn't quite do it last year. Uh, one reception for three yards in his rookie season, out of Liberty University. Um, a guy who can do a Rubik's cube and juggle Rubik's cubes and do the Rubik's cubes, and he's he's people like his hand size. We didn't really see, I think, what we wanted to out of AGG last season. That said. He did lead the team in catches and yards. He had three receptions, three targets, 38 yards in the last game against the Bengals. Uh, he, to me, is... It's not a given that he comes back or, like, that he's able to crack the roster based on, you know, who else they have. They've gotten better. They're not relying on, on an AGG. He, he strikes no. me as like a strong, we'll name drop, we'll remember guys, uh, strong like Leonard Hankerson Oh, type. yeah. Very strong, yeah. like really thought he was going to be awesome and just never never came around. But, man, during the preseason, though, he could kill it. That's what, yeah, you're like a big, long guy. They're like, oh, he's built like, I don't know, Art Monk. Yeah. Like, okay, great. They even said like uh, Michael Irvin style, that tall, lanky, sure. yeah, like that style. So, you know, all of that is to say, though, uh, the team feeling confident enough in their offense that they did have a cut today, they they let Steven Sims go. Yeah. And Steven Sims is a guy who last year um, played a fairly significant role in the offense. Like, he was out there on more offensive downs than he was not. So Steven Sims being cut from the roster today, a guy who played a fairly significant role in the in the offense um, in years past. As I read on Twitter today someone reacted saying, uh, is that the Sims who can't catch the football or is that the Sims who can't catch punts? And it's like, well, he did try and do a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, anytime you're letting a guy go who was... I mean, we can call him fringe, but he would. There were opportunities last year where he made 
some pretty big plays, and they, they needed him. They needed his production. But they made the decision that it wasn't worth bringing him back after the additions of you know Adam Humphreys and Curtis Samuel. Um, what are you feeling about this, this Steven Sims move? What are you feeling about the offense, and particularly in the passing game, right now, kind of two games in? We've been lacking consistency. Uh, so much we've been lacking consistency that you know you have Scary Terry getting double and triple teamed. We just and then thank God for Logan Thomas because he was the only other thing that people could go to. So that consistency yeah. being gone, that all most of last year, Sims had a couple moments, but the problem was that no one was scared of him. No one teed up on him. He probably dropped a third of the passes that were thrown to him. So so as much as you want to have, there was no consistency with him gone. He wasn't getting better. You say he was fringe. You're right. He was a second, maybe third stringer this whole time. Uh, as far as getting punts, we have other people to do that. Uh, so everybody's more consistent now. Everybody has a little bit more skill now. We have a better wide receiver core than we did a year ago. And, and it's not even close. It's a lot better. Now, is it all a whole bunch of all-star you know, pros coming in here? No. No, no a bunch of all-pros. We have one. Scary Terry's going to be an all-pro. Uh, Samuels may show up to be that way. Humphreys, we know who he is. He's a great slot and consistent. And and Logan Thomas is going to be consistent. And if we can allow that consistency to show up, we will grow as a team this season and be a lot better than we were at the end of last year. Cutting Steven Sims to me, regardless of whether or not this is the intent of that move, in a way sends a message from the ownership from the front office, from the coaching staff, uh, that no one who was here last year can rest on their laurels. That getting a roster spot on this team is not a given, even if you were someone who played a role in the past. Yeah. They, uh, and you know, that's not to say that it wasn't the right move from a football decision, but I think it, it is a sobering reminder as a player that you, you can't take any of this stuff for granted and, like, it could come for you. And you may do all the right things, but it still may it still may be your name that gets called to come and turn in your, your playbook. So, you know, I am encouraged in some ways that they feel like they're not at a ceiling that requires Steven Sims be there. But it's it's one where kind of all the stuff has to gel yep. in order for it to work. And we've talked a little bit about, you know, just our concerns and things that two weeks into three games or two games into three games, it's like, well, we're not sort of really feeling it yet. But and we do have to keep in mind it's it's preseason. It's still preseason. This, the, this is what it's all about. And, and, and what about. you just said, like the – and looking at the, the sim situation, it's no one is everyone's expendable here. We we were still sure. a seven and nine team last year, even though we, we were in the playoffs. We were a seven and nine team and we barely snuck in. We couldn't even win the last game, which we should have won, to clinch the playoff spot. So right. we were a sub five hundred team in a horrible division and just happened to walk in. Let's not forget that. You have to better this team each step, so you can't hold on to players who just weren't worth it. And that's you know that's what Ron comes in and that's what you know Jason Wright does. They come in, they go, okay, well just let's get rid of this guy. He's and move to the next thing. Let's make this team better every moment we can. And I think they've done that by getting rid of Sims. And also they gave Sims that opportunity to get on with another team before all the cuts are over. And I think Ron said that he was like, uh, this guy's good, and I want to give him a chance to to grow someplace else. They're they're doing what we're doing. They're just trying to get better week in week out. We're just trying to do trying to do our thing. Well, I think that that is a good uh, place to take a quick pause. Um, we've really broken down. We have done the requisite amount of preseason chit chat, um, offensive chit chat, offensive. Yes. Well, we'll we'll take a break and <laughs> we'll come right back here. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. I feel like we are fully warmed up. We are deep into preseason Washington football team talk. A little chatter. This is this is the most wonderful time of the year. 
because they have they're still undefeated, but we have football to watch. Um, the also the other thing that we love most most we love a lot about preseason was was the tailgating, and it was kind of a perfectly appropriate thing for Washington football team fans to do, which is to go and care about something that kind of doesn't mean anything and do it with your buddies. And uh, as we have said many a time, if you have joined us from season one, thank you for going back. This team, it makes us drink, so we're always going to be drinking something here on the Cult of Cult. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a wrinkle this season. Ooh, uh, we a curveball almost? A curve, yeah, a curveball almost. Yeah. Um, it'll be like, it's sort of like a Daniel Jones pass, just kind of like fluttering up. Or like a bit. fumble that just bounces back off the ground and right back to you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. just like that. Um, we are going to... Um, endeavor to drink as many Washington football team I'm not going to say flavored drinks but uh themed 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 um beverages as possible and we won't discriminate on what that means um if you find a Capri Sun with Chase Young on it you can we DM us on Twitter and we will tell you where to mail it uh, we're going to kick this this little variation of our fan favorite, your favorite, our favorite, what you sipping on, Washington football team edition off with an old standby. Um, this is one that if you are a long follower of my podcasting career, <laughs> uh, you'll know that I have rated this beverage on camera before and on podcast before this is of course the john riggins fourth and one pilsner from a scutcheon brewing company um gummy D, i i got you one so we could do this together I, i'm in I, I have it sitting here in front of me it's uh I, I, the color of it's almost like an off white to yellow not not a gold all the way i know there's trying to be gold but it's an off white kind of like Old gold, yeah. Yeah, like an old gold. It's got uh, burgundy throughout the whole thing. A beautiful insignia says John Riggins, fourth and one Pilsner. Loosen up, signed by John Riggins. And the picture of it is him doing the iconic run Let's during the it. Super Bowl against Show the Miami it. Dolphins. Show it. Let me see it. Oh, yeah. Hold up to the, oh, hold yeah. up to the camera. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'm going to turn it for you. There we go. The yeah, beautiful. So so I, I'll give them uh, A-plus on the way the can looks. They've done a phenomenal job on making it as Washington football team laid as possible. They picked the right time. I love the insignia. They put a lot of effort into the can. So I give them a lot of credit for that can. And I'm a little sad because they don't have any insignias of Washington football, which is a blank helmet. But you got to do what mm. you got to do on copyright infringements. Yes. Um, I would say from Washington football team centricity, centricity, Washington football team centricity. This, um, I don't know, we'll rate it out of five. I will give this a five. Five out of five. Five out of five. This is, this is an iconic image on this can Yes. from one of the most iconic players in franchise history. I don't know how much of the history of this beer you, you know, but uh, Rigo is a beer guy, beer and brats. Um, he worked with the brewery to come up with this beer to work on the the can labeling the the look the feel he was involved in the brewing process a thing that um i you know feel fairly strongly about and so i anytime there's a fellow um hobbyist i'm always happy to see that the uh the brewing arts are being uh pervaded by folks uh near and far this is a it's a cool it's a cool beer um I will say a few things. Well, let me let me uh, let me ask you. Yeah. What what um what are your what are your memories of John Riggins? When you think of John Riggins, what do you think of? God, so again, I'm a little older than you, so I got You are. Yeah. Quality Riggins time growing up as a kid. The board on Broken Back, a thing that we use at the beginning of all of our podcasts is yep. just iconic to me. It is the the most it epitomizes who he is more than anything else in the entirety. He's this cowboy style guy 
who hates, kind of hates people, but loves people at the same time. He yeah. doesn't want to be around fans, but can't not be around them. He's this enigma wrapped in an enigma. And when it came to watching him do this, he was one of the best running backs we could possibly ever had. This guy who had this biggest ego, but no ego at the same time. Him, the lineman, used to sit outside of practice in a shed and drink beer and get hammered and just hang out. And that was that was who this guy is. And I love it. It's everything you want in a player and a person is this ability to have all this drama, no drama at the same time. But he is a puzzle. And for him to go in and say, I'm not going to do a beer only makes me happy. Makes me want to go out to this guy, go to Rigo and be like, hey, Rigo, I want to drink a beer with you, have a steak with you and get a little loopy and have a little bit of fun and make this night get crazy. He definitely is a man of the people. Um, I, I, I don't know John Riggins, but I know guys like John Riggins. Like when I would go back for homecoming at college, like you'd see these guys walking around in like their varsity jacket and they're just like, you know, they're out at the bars and they're buying everybody drinks and they're yucking it up at the picnic and they're, they know everybody and they're giving hugs and they're shaking hands and, Rigo is that guy, but you're right. He is, you know, in my mind, um, because that's sort of all the ways I've I've seen him. But he 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 tells it like it is. He is has one of the most outsized personalities. And again, I mean, I never saw him play. I was too young. I was he was long retired by the time I was even conscious of football. But his staying power as a uh, well liked, honored, revered, beloved character and and figure within this franchise and its history both for his on-field contributions which are um you know immeasurable in terms of winning a super bowl and having sort of what is considered to be the most iconic moment in franchise history is one thing but then to to sort of stick around and um not shy away from the aura that he's built around him. I just think it's cool that there are not very many guys that we have that are like him. And no. um, so for me, as someone who never saw him play, like I still know damn well who he is. And like that's due no in small part or in no small part to um, the, the persona that he has continued to cultivate and his love for and affinity to, this franchise. Oh yeah. Well, again, it's we have a lot of great moments in, in Washington football team history, but that picture, you see that picture, and you know exactly where it is, where it came from, and what's happening. Another one of those moments, but unfortunately, it's it's a it's the whole film has to be shown is when Daryl Green hunts down uh, Dorsey, and it's a great film, but you can't sure. put that into a single picture. This takes that single picture. And goes crazy, and that's Rigo all in a single picture. This guy, this brute of a guy, going through the middle, knocking off a whole bunch of defenders, and going for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and just making himself a legend. From then, a beer, per, a beer perspective. Yeah. Um, here's the thing: he went with a pilsner, sort of a light, crisp style. They use um, the Czech hop saws in this. I have waffled on this beer so many times. I was I sought it out big time when I when it first came out because I was so excited, and I didn't really like it. But I also did not like pilsners, and then I got really high on it because I was like, oh, I I think pilsners are good. But then I was like, oh, this is this one's actually not such a good pilsner. I will sell you after not having had this in a long time. I have come back around, and I think I think they either maybe maybe changed something about it or um, the bats that we got. I, I'm liking. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this pilsner. It's a light, crisp, clean, um, semi-sweet. Uh, Rigo, I'm I'm I've I've gone to and fro on this one. And I, how do you feel about this? Do you like this uh, l- one? L- l- I want everyone to listen to it. I'm just gonna drink it right now. Okay, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Give me this. Oh, that's a big gulp. Big okay. Gulp, yeah. To start with, when it comes to beers, I like taste and hops. Big fan of it. Okay. Um, I don't like sours. I don't like uh, saison very much. In tasting this, again, I'm with you. Pilsners don't usually aren't it for me. Uh, they're like you know they're they're usually light. This is very crisp, almost it like uh, like apple crisp is how well it's done. 
So it has this wonderful taste to it, very crisp, very from. I've had this before, just like you did, and I hated it. I yeah. hated this beer, and I said, I'm never trying it again. I'm trying it now, and this is a solid beer. Yeah. I, I think they changed something. But whatever they did, they were smart about it and changed it right because this is – it has – it's crisp. It's good. Very limited aftertaste. It tastes like something that I could sit here in the summer and drink and watch football. So, yeah, I think it's a quality beer. I I don't know what they did. I don't. Maybe it was a bad batch. Maybe, I think we, we actually had it together. Maybe it just yeah. was bad cans. But this is a much better beer than I remembered. So we've evaluated its Washington football team centricity. I gave it a five. I believe you also gave it a five. Um, I think we have to throw some other metrics up here, and we will we will crowdsource this one. Uh, we are nothing if not a fan favorite or a fan focused podcast. Um, we have a couple of things that we think we would evaluate this beer on, but we would love to know what other metrics and topics you think would be helpful for us to evaluate. The first being, um, would you? Would you sneak this beer into the stadium in a cargo short? Yes. Yes, you would. I absolutely would because a couple reasons. One, it's delicious. Two, look at the can. But also, it's a pint. You get yeah, a, it's you, a big boy. It's a big boy. So you're not getting a little 12-ouncer. If I'm going if I'm going to get myself in trouble, I want as much beer in my pockets as possible. This is a pint. And someone pulls it out and they stare at it and they look at me. They're just gonna say, you know what? I'm not even mad you tried to bring this in. It's not a Bud yeah. Light. You didn't. No. You, you didn't bring a seltzer in with you. It's a Rigo Pilsner. Yeah, man. Either they're gonna let me keep it, or they're just gonna laugh and let me walk away. But I'm in less trouble because look how beautiful this thing is. So would I put in my cargo shorts? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I would too. And it would require a me having cargo shorts, and b I guess someone to distract the guy or gal at the uh, metal detector. Um, but I think it would be worth it for the John Reagan's fourth and one Pilsner. Um, here's the here's here's a more quantifiable metric. How much would you pay for this beer at FedEx? Assuming that you are already at FedEx, and we know how I feel about going to FedEx, we're not going to address that. If you found yourself at FedEx Field and we're at a Washington football team game, how much would you pay for this beer, Gumby? I'm sitting here and I'm. Uh, why that's hard is because I already know what beer choices they have there, and they're usually not very good. And they're also very expensive. Very expensive, like 13 bucks or something a beer, which is obscene because yeah. yes. it's shitty beer. They have shitty yeah. beer there unless you're in a good section. So if they showed up with this beer and they said, hey, man, this beer is $13. Now, my go-to is always hard alcohol there. I think it's like 19 bucks, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. Um, but would I pay full price for this over like a Bud Light or a Coors or some horrendous thing that's staring at me? Let me let me look this up and down. We're looking at four point four percent. Yeah. So it's it's a lighter beer. Okay. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna get you blitzed. You not have gonna, to drink a lot of these to get uh, to get the spirit of Sunny. I I would if it was a, a get this or like a, a light beer or even a Budweiser. Absolutely, yeah. paid for this. If it's yeah, this, how much or, would you pay? Knowing that a like a Bud Light is going to cost you like thirteen bucks at the stadium, I'd pay fifteen pay? to drink this over a Bud Light. I'd pay extra money not to drink the Bud Light. Yeah, I would probably pay sixteen fifty. <laughs> I like that. That's how much I would. That, that's, that's how much I would. That's pay. the correct amount. Yeah, I mean, again, is, is it my favorite beer? No. Is it a good beer? Yes. Is it better yeah. than the swill they have at the stadium? Absolutely. Okay, and then our final measure, um, as we say here on the Cult of Colt, as it relates to our namesake, Colt Brennan, may he rest in peace. When life gives you Brennans, you make Brennanade. Uh, what is your rating on the Brennanade scale? One to five, five being most Brennanade and one being the least. If I'm adding the can, the whole presentation, yeah, I'm giving it a four. Okay. A four, a five for the can. And like a 3.5 for the beer. Again, it's not my favorite beer. It's a good beer, but it's not great. Bud Light would be like a 1.5. So so it's a good beer, so I would give it a 4. A 4 total as a presentation. So it's a 4, Brennanade. What about you? Yeah, I I gave it a 5 in Washington football team centricity. I had some nice things to say about the hops and malts and water profile. Um I said I would pay $16.50 for it, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I think I'm also 
gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a. Are we just doing whole numbers? No, you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. I'm gonna give this one a four and a third. Oh, just eking me out on that one. I like just it. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little, little push. Now, if uh, if you find yourself the opportunity to get yourself a John Riggins fourth and one Pilsner, uh, and would like to let us know your thoughts, you can rate it. And you can tweet at us. Um, how can they do that, Gumby? How can people find us on social media? Well, if you go to uh, our great Twitter page, which... Twitter.com. Uh, Twitter.com, or on your mobile device, <laughs> we're at The Cult of Cult. The Cult of Cult. If you're looking word. for a specifically all one word, and uh, our little tag underneath this course is The Cult of Cult Podcast. Gumby, how many followers do we have on Twitter? Well, I uh, had a name tweet that went absolutely crazy. So for us, we're up to 112 followers. Bing, 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 bing. I, th- I think we got like 50 last year. So I say let's let's rock this and keep it going. So anybody out there want to follow us on Twitter? I'm I'm pretty uh I'm pretty uh proficient in the tweets. Yeah, you're getting pretty good at this. You've built this thing up from nothing. So we are north of 100. We did it in the off season. We appreciate everyone who is following us on social media, that you are subscribed, that you um, are getting this podcast wherever. Fine podcasts are pervade. Uh, Gumby, I, one final topic I want to talk about, and I'm actually, this is this one's going to be a toss-up grab bag. I'm going to give you the option. Okay, I'm not, I don't know what this one is, so here we go. You don't know what it is. There's one of two topics, and you can only pick one. And I will say, um, when after we talk about whichever one you pick, we have to go at least a little while before talking about it again. Okay. One of two. One of two choices to discuss here. Okay. One is the current state of the uh, of the name process, the rebranding process, the journey to the adventure, whatever it is that they're calling it. <laughs> okay. Um, that's that's number one, and number two is uh, yesterday we got together and had our fantasy football team draft, and so either we can talk about the name stuff in, and not talk about it again until they make a decision, or we could talk about fantasy football team stuff. I believe I will I will put one little post-it note there. I believe we are playing each other in week one. I think you're right. So I'm going to go fantasy football. This is why. I have a lot to say about the, uh, the name coming up. And yeah. also, uh, my fantasy football team is a pile of shit. A total pile. It's horrible. We're in a dynasty league. All of my players are get hurt, injured, or retire. I, I, I find ways to lose. I am that guy. And my fantasy I'm going I'm to I'm tell people what my fantasy football team is. And they're going right, to laugh you at can me. Do it. You can do it, and then that'll – I mean, I suppose we could tell people how the week week one matchup goes, and then we won't talk about it. We are actually playing each other twice this season. I don't oh, know I'm so know. excited. Um, um, so, that was by accident. So the, um, the Gumby football team is going up against the fantasy football team, which is my – we both made the same joke. I You picked yours first. I changed my team name from the Zika virus because I was <laughs> sick and tired of Zeke Elliott being the team – the player that represented me. Also, you were um, sick of viruses. I was also sick of viruses. That's true. Um, you're, yeah, you have the Gumby football team. Uh, how did you do last year? Oh, that delays because I was drinking beer to make that go away. Now, I finished last in the league in the yeah. regular season, but second to last with the playoffs. So I pulled off a last-minute hurrah not to have to wear a uh, Hello Kitty rumper. Is, that's is right. what we Yeah. That's uh, I don't know if anybody saw the Waffle House um, punishment. Oh, how great. I love that. That's amazing. You, if you're unfamiliar, you should just Google it. It's well worth your time. Um, the, the Waffle House fantasy football punishment. We have our own punishment. Um, and it's not just having to spend a whole afternoon with you jokers. <laughs> um, yeah. So you have two. Washington football roster spots dedicated. Is that right? I, I do. I do. I For my backup quarterback, I have yes. uh, Fitzpatrick. You do. Yeah, you went for it. 
I mean, you kind of sometimes have to go for that. And then yeah. also looking around. Don't have any more Washington? Uh, No, that's the only Washington I have. It's no, Patrick. You, you no, no, our defense. defense. The defense. That was a good pull on my end. Uh, it's, it I don't get, I don't get much, but it was the second-ranked, second or third-ranked defense, and I pulled the trigger on that one because I think, honestly, we have some of the hardest people to go against this year, but I think our defense is going to step up and go absolutely apeshit. So... I, I pulled off the, the, the defense, and I have Fitzpatrick as my backup quarterback to uh, Tannehill. And it's not to say that there aren't Washington football team players that you would want to have on your fantasy team. I think Terry McLaurin is oh, the yeah. obvious one. Um, I think you could probably put Antonio Gibson in that batch, too. At least, the, at, least, at least at RB, too. Yeah, and the defense, I, I will... I picked the first defense off the board. I picked the Tampa defense because um, I was, like, getting sick and tired of drafting, like, slapdick WR4s or whatever. So I went. I was like, all right, I'm just getting a D here. And I actually kicked off a little rash of folks going after Ds. So I'm going to go ahead and give myself a little pat on the back for being a trendsetter. Uh, Good job for you. Yeah, I remember that little bucks going up there. That's right. Uh, but I, I think that Washington's defense is is a good one. Um what are we looking at in terms of projections this week? I am projected to win. You're projected to win. Yep. 136.7 to 119.27. I'm super excited because that would be the highest amount of points that I have scored in fantasy in a while. That's how bad my team was. The only holdover I had was Cam Akers. I was super excited about it. And uh, and, and Robinson from Chicago. Those are my two. I was like, I'm going to keep them. We can keep up to three. I was going to keep those two and probably, like, you know, Punt another one, and then Akers got his ACL out, and wow. I went, here we go again. Here we – so I went I went young. I went super young to try to put my team back together because I said that's the only way this is going to happen. And with that, I got, like, Pittman Jr., which, awesome. I feel so – like, the fact – I remember Michael Pittman yeah. very vividly, especially paying for those Tampa Bay – the Tampa Bay Bucks team that won the Super Bowl. And in my mind, I'm not – I'm – not old enough to uh, have a guy I like rooted for and had informed opinions about have his kid be in the league. I'm like, oh shit, I'm old. Yeah, it's it's also weird with baseball because I we were watching the Blue Jays and they have three guys on the Blue Jays whose fathers used to play when I was started watching. So I know that feeling. I was just but- yeah, it's like oh I I some days I forget that Vlad Guerrero has already has retired because yeah. he he was like I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. Already, it's yeah. like, oh, wow, I need to go with the time. He can kill it, but I'm going to focus on my fantasy team because that's significantly less attractive than Vlad Guerrero. Um, I got my first-round draft pick was Mixon, the running back out of Cincinnati, because that's yeah. what you had to do. Um, Hunt, Cleveland, uh, this was a good one. Kyle Pitts out of Atlanta, tight end. He's He's young. But again, I went young, and he's supposed to be like a, uh, an absolute monster tight end. It may take sure. a couple games, but I think he's going to get more points than people can give him credit for. Um, I got the Jacksonville wide receiver, uh, Chenault. They, again, I went young, guys, so I apologize. This is bad. Uh, Edmonds running back. <laughs> you don't have uh, to apologize to anybody except for you. Oh, uh, I know. I'm so bad. And then uh, Gordon from Denver. I got Waddle out of Miami. Now, wait for him. He give him six weeks and he's gonna be phenomenal. That guy's gonna show up and everyone's gonna laugh at me later. Uh, Hines running back out of Indianapolis, uh, Smith wide receiver at New Orleans. New Orleans is going to be a high-powered offense and he's gonna be right in the middle of it. I you know eat it. A w? You're gonna eat a W. You're oh, gonna eat a W. Oh, I'm gonna. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, Myers wide receiver out of New England and then uh, defense was uh, of course. Washington and Buckner is kicker out of KC. Now, that going against you, that's only 119 points. Yeah, you have 137. What? I mean, I what I did went, you do I, to get that many more points than me? Well, I, I kept Josh Allen, I kept Stephon Diggs, I kept oh, so Zeke Elliott. Those are my three. Um, I, I went. I got Antonio Brown. He was my first available pick, non-keeper edition. I, I panicked a little bit on my You have A.J. Brown, not Antonio Brown, do you? A.J. Brown, yes. Not yeah. Antonio Brown, good Lord. Um, I, I picked Mike Davis from the Falcons. That was a bit of a panic pick. I have a feeling that that may be the one that bites me in the butt a little bit. Um, I have been a guy me. who has been a sucker 
for like preseason hype running backs. I was a Bishop Sankey drafter when back in the day. I think I spent a first or second round pick on that oh. like the year that Bishop Sankey was like supposed to be the like sleeper. He's gonna yeah. do it, and he did not. Um, you got Hawkinson at tight end. I, I always somehow get stuck with Jarvis Landry. It's just like one of those guys that I end up with <laughs> year in and year out. Um, I don't know. This isn't interesting to anybody, but I will. We'll have to uh, do. We'll put a poll up on Twitter. I, I will do this. I'll take a screen cap of our teams, and you can tell us who you think is going to win, and then we will tell you what happened because that is the fan service that you can come to know and love from. The Colts of Colt. Uh, Gumby, as we wind down here, any initial or any final thoughts as we sort of get towards real substantive football like that's kind of on the horizon, not that far away? Remember, and I've tweeted this, preseason, first team goes against first and second. Second team goes against seconds and thirds. Third teamers go against everyone else. So don't fall in love with the lower end guys yet. They haven't proved anything yet. They're on the field. They're working their ass off. And I hope we get some great guys from that, but don't, don't fall for that trap yet. Guys, if you see a guy who has the same numbers, another guy, one or both, you're never going to see again. So prepare yourselves for that. Enjoy preseason. I think we have one more good game left. Drink some beer, have some fun. This one doesn't matter yet, but make sure you limber up. Because the first game of the season is right around the corner. That's my advice. Enjoy the preseason. Have fun. But get ready. It's happening. On that note, the Cult of Cult podcast is produced and edited by me, Brian Stabby. We're back for season two. My co-host, director of social media, and our inspirational, motivational speaker is Gumby. You can follow the Cult of Cult on Twitter at the Cult of Cult. That's all one word. We're also available on Untapped. We have fan service there as well. I'm at Stabby. He's at at D. Cumberland Jr. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hogshaven, a Washington football team podcast. And we ask that if you like what you've heard, you do three simple things. You subscribe, rate up five stars, and encourage one friend to check us out. It makes a huge impact on our ability reach new listeners we know that your listening time is valuable and we appreciate you taking your time to spend it with us gumby looking forward to another great season here with you on the cult of cult <laughs>